you know, this illness has kind of thrown me for a loop. I want so badly to make a difference. But you think, how in the world do you make a difference when you're stuck in bed? Now today, my son Wyland, he works as a Taekwondo instructor and he also takes Taekwondo classes and he picked up a job babysitting for two of the children that take Taekwondo. And my husband had gone to work. I'm stuck in bed, flat on my back. Got my ice and my heat. And I know that since this illness, I stay in bed until the last possible minute that I have to get up. It used to be four o'clock in the morning, boom, I was up, ready to go, shower, off to the station because I couldn't wait to get to work. Even when I had my son, brand new, I'd get up at 2.30 so I could breastfeed him and then shower and then get off to work. I had no problems with that. Now, what time do I have to be there? Okay, I know I can get up and be ready in 15 minutes because I don't do anything to my appearance anymore. <laughs> I just roll out of bed and off I go. Well, he was waiting and he had to be ready at 11.45 and I started getting him up at 8.45. At 11.15, I said, son, you really need to start getting up. She'll be here any time to pick you up. He's like, I've got time. I've got it. And I said, okay. And I waited. I was back in the bed. Started uh, my sitting back on my back. <laughs> and the next thing you know, somebody's knocking at the door. It's the little boys. They're ready for Wyland to go. So Wyland's rushing. And I'm like, hurry. It's not polite to keep them waiting. So I get out of bed because I'm like, I need to help my boy. Because I'm starting to feel rudderless because my son is at that age that it's time for him to kind of create his own path and do his own thing. And that's what I raised him for. I raised my son to leave me, which kills me when I think about it. Next week, he's got summer camp for two weeks and oh, I'm miserable because I'm thinking, there goes my son, you know, and then you just got your husband. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what do I do? You know? And I'm get, I, I'm getting up, and I'm getting them ready. And I'm happy about being with my husband. Don't get me wrong. It's just the thing, you know? You, you go from being a couple to a couple with a child to a couple with a child that's going away to a couple, again, only. It just... It's just life. It just... It's just... I just, I'm too, I'm too immature, I think, to have, I'm just too immature. This is, you know, I just thought life would be a certain way, and then this illness kind of gets involved, and I'm kind of at a loss, you know. I can't get up and go out and garden like I used to. I can't get up and do these things, so I just definitely feel rudderless. Because, like, my son, you know, is my reason. I have to get up for him. I have to do this. So I got up out of bed. I started throwing things in his bag, you know. And I'm walking around thinking to myself, man, why am I in bed flat on my back? There's nothing wrong with me. 
I'm walking. I'm feeling pretty good. And then after a few minutes, it kicks in. The pain starts getting bad. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yep. I remember now. I do have a problem. It's okay for me to be in bed. It's like I have to have pain in order to allow myself to be in bed, which is absolutely ridiculous. But I'm sitting there talking to the boys, letting them know Wyland's on his way. And then the mother gets out because she didn't think I was home. And she pops out and she just tells me, she she said, thank you for letting us have Wyland today. And, you know, I was like, well, of course, you know, and he gets paid good money. It's a thrill to me that he makes so much money babysitting and he's good at it. You know, he's good with the kids. And she came up and she said, I just, you know, and I'm in my husband's boxer shorts because I've always thought that men's boxers were the best things to wear. When I was pregnant, that's what I wore because they were comfortable. They were loose. And I got a pair of my husband's many years ago when we first got together and he absolutely hates them because they're tattered and torn, but they're the most comfortable things I have and I love wearing them and I'm wearing those with my Christopher Titus t-shirt that has just a bitch on a donut run on the back with a blonde with the microphone on the front so it looks real good you know <laughs> for me to be there with eight-year-old twins and this mother who just happens to be the wife of my husband's neurologist. So go figure. It was just so funny because we didn't know that. But anyway, she's talking to me and she said, you know, thank you for letting us have your son. I said, well, no, no problem. And she said, he's really good with our boys. And she goes, us mothers at Taekwondo, because see, I don't go anymore because my son, once he became a black belt, I was forbidden to ever go there anymore and watch class. I got to go, you know, I would take him six days a week and my husband and I would sit there and watch every class. And then once he made black belt, that was it. He was, didn't need us. We weren't allowed to be there anymore. I was like, okay. So I'm no longer in that group of mothers. So when she told me, yes, mothers talk about Wyland and you've done a real good job with him. She says, our boys, I'll consider him a role model. And you've done an exceptional job with him. She goes, I consider you my role model. And I just started laughing. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Well, when you're married to the man that my husband goes to see for sleep apnea, living in a mansion three minutes from me, <laughs> writing my son a check for you know, like $20 an hour so he can babysit your kids while you're sitting at the pool. And, and I'm no role model. How <laughs> We've got to refigure this here. That was very, very kind of her. I thought that was very, very kind of her to talk so nicely about my son. And that makes me feel good because with this illness, I'm just kind of in a quandary. Don't think I'm making much of a difference. But to know that my son is a role model for those boys and the other kids at Taekwondo and that people are saying kind things about him make me feel really, really good. Because, you know, in life, we don't choose our children. 
we choose if we're going to have them or not, right? But and and that's something that we always haven't had the right to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. But we don't choose our children. We give birth. The doctor gives them to us. There you go. It's our duty to take care of them. It's our duty to love them. It's our duty to raise them until they're raised. But our partners, the ones that we choose to be with in life, we choose them. And we have to figure out if we made a good choice or not. And sometimes we haven't. Sometimes you pick a dud (laughs) and you're stuck. And other times... You get together and maybe the only good part of the relationship is that you created a really good individual. And then if you're lucky enough, you find that someone that's willing to take care of you when you're stuck in bed flat on your back. And I am so grateful that I have such good support And I get mad at myself because I don't, I don't know how to always reciprocate. And I get mad. Like the other day I was up and I was able to be up. And normally I'm so thrilled about that because it's not often that I get to be up. But I was in so much pain because of that disc in my back. And it was from doing those stupid exercises. So part of me was like really mad at Cindy Hartman. Because there was an event in my life that I haven't been able to do for two and a half years that I should be grateful that I'm doing, but instead I'm upset because I'm hurting. Because I was going up that path. I've been making dinners and stuff. So I wasn't as appreciative. And then my husband just steps right in, brings me dinner to bed and everything. And I feel like such a bitch, just like my shirt says on the back. But I'm not on a donut run. I'm off to the bed. So it's things like that that want to make me strive so hard to get better. To be a better person. To get better with this illness. I mean, there's nothing uh, easier. There's no better way. If you want to get away from somebody that's having a conversation with you, bring up your illness. It stops them dead in their tracks. If somebody asks you how you're doing or what are you doing, because my doctor just did this to me, my cancer doctor, because I had to have my mammogram the other day, and he called me to let me know, you know, what the deal was because I have to have the breast MRI and the mammogram. I have to alternate because of the breast cancer and all that. And so he's like, so what do you have planned for this summer? So rather than lie, I just thought I'd go ahead and throw it out there. I said, well, I'm just trying to navigate, you know, trying to deal with this hypermobility Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, you know, that I've got. And his end of the phone just went dead silent. You could tell that wasn't the answer he wanted. He didn't want that answer. He just wanted me to give some generic thing and go on my merry way. But I just wanted to do it for, for giggles and grins. I love that cereal, remember, growing up. Love that cereal. But anyway, I wanted to just do it for giggles and grins just so I could see what someone would say. I kind of threw it out there because 
secretly, I really hope that somebody's going to say, oh my gosh, I know the perfect remedy for your situation. So I do have an ulterior motive, and that's in hopes of finding somebody that has the insight on how to get better with this illness. That's stupid. That's really stupid for me to do. But I just wanted to throw it out there. And it was fun just to hear him go dead silent on the phone and know that he just didn't know where to go from there. I didn't give some generic answer. So I went ahead and helped him out by changing the subject very quickly. And then we were able to go on with our conversation. So he was much better when I got off of the illness thing. But it's amazing to me how people, you know, they ask you how you are or what you're going to do. And you give them a true answer. That's not what they wanted to hear. Well, that's not the kind of person I am. I'm going to tell you what it is I feel, whether it's something you want to feel or hear or not. And I think that's why I kind of do this so that I can get my opinions, my thoughts out there so I don't bore my husband with them incessantly because I'm desperately trying to come up with a way to be better than I am, a better person, better mentally, better physically. And this just kind of weighs you down a little bit. But then you hear that Somebody thinks the world of your son. And then you think that you realize that you made a good selection when you picked your spouse kind of thing. This is just a little bump in the road and I've got to figure it out. And I'm bound and determined. I've got high hopes for this appointment tomorrow. I've got high hopes for this neurologist because I just now, I doubled up on my bromide because I had such great success with it when I was taking it. I just wanted to take two instead of the one to see if I feel any difference. And I'm starting to feel a little bit more invigorated. I'm not feeling as foggy in the mind. I'm definitely feeling a difference. And I want this doctor to not dismiss me. So I do have so many high hopes and I'm so afraid he's going to let me down. I'm going in with my list of questions. Could I, you know, could a a lack in this in my body be causing this? Could this, this, and that, and that? Because I want blood work drawn. My other neurologist, yes, I've got two. I'm not going to (laughs) just... I was fortunate enough. I've got two and I'm I'm playing one off the other so I can can try to get somewhere because this one in town prescribed this pyrodoxstigmine bromide and when I asked the office to ask him, Do you think I could take more? Could you test me for this? They kind of just dismissed me. And I don't like that. And I'm waiting on a call from them now to tell me if I can add more to this or not. You know, they when I ask them, am I, could you see if I'm lacking in this and lacking in that? And they're like, well, your endocrinologist re- just recently did blood work on most of the things you asked for. So we don't see any need. But the thing is, 
She didn't do the blood work that I wanted, the folate. And that's where she told me my neurologist came in, that she wouldn't test me for that because that was more of a neurological thing. So I don't like the way my neurologist treats me. So that's why I've got the other one that I have to drive an hour to get to. And it's horrible because I'm not good with directions and I get lost. I do get lost and I don't like it. Even with the little map thing, I still get lost. So I'm really hoping that this doctor tomorrow will take me seriously and do this blood work because I feel like if there's something I can take to supplement, something I can do, because there's just that part of me that makes me think I'm making this illness worse. I know I'm not. I mean, I know that those exercises that I wasn't supposed to do that I did, hindsight is twenty twenty, have put me in this position now. I don't like that I'm having to really take my pain medication even more so now. I'm taking the maximum every day and I was taking half the dosage. And now it's all I can do to not go over the maximum. So these doctors and all these people that tinker and think that, you know, it's not important enough to do this blood work or let's just do these exercises and see what happens. Oh, yes, Cindy Hartman called me on Sunday. She called me to let me know that she didn't think that the exercises were conducive to my illness and that she didn't think that my body was ready to do these exercises and that I needed to stick with the corrective only and that I needed to talk to the neurologist about the disc that's kind of popped out of my back or whatever. So I guess that was her way of apologizing. I don't really know. But I was grateful that she thought of me on a Sunday. She had gone to church. She said she prayed for me. And who calls you on a Sunday anymore? So my physical therapist called me to tell me that the exercises that I did weren't good for me. She didn't say, I gave you stuff you shouldn't have done. She didn't apologize or anything like that. She just said my body wasn't ready for what she had in store for me. So that kind of put it back on me. Just like the neurologist. Well, you've had some of the tests you wanted done, so we don't need to do any of them. Now, I need somebody to listen to me. And that's what's kind of disturbing about having this illness. Is for one, which doctor is the right doctor? Because when you go to the right doctor, and I'm doing those little finger things, you know, like when you, like finger quotes, like the right doctor, they send you to another doctor. So I had a doctor right there in my sights. And she wouldn't write me a prescription to go get that lab work done. She put it off on the neurologist. The neurologist said, I kind of had some of it done. So you don't need any more. So I have to go to yet another neurologist in hopes that he will just do the blood work. 
Now, if I don't want to get anywhere with him, that's going to be frustrating because I have to get up super early, and I'm really hoping I can do all of this. I've got to get up super early to drive an hour away to be there at 7.45 in the morning, and if he doesn't do it, then I'm going to my GP, and I'm just going, because he's usually really good about that. I'm just going to ask him to draw this blood work for me. I kind of want it done by the neurologist because evidently, according to my endocrinologist, she doesn't understand the language of the folate in your blood, so I must go to a neurologist. So we're going to see if the neurologist that I'm going to see tomorrow, who is the director of neurology at VCU in Richmond, so he's supposed to be a big wig, and he's the one that took on my case last year and said that he believed in my fascial remodeling and that he was all for my path of treatment that I had kind of designed. I only kept the one in town just because. And I'm grateful that I did because he came up with the bromide. But now I want to see what this doctor says about it. And I'm hoping he can order my lab work. I'm hoping he'll increase the bromide if necessary or give me the medication that will work. Anything. But it's so sad that we have to fake our answers with people just to keep the conversation at the pace they want. It's so sad that we have to find the right doctor. And who in the hell knows what the right doctor is? For some, it's a rheumatologist. Rheumatologists won't touch me with a fine-tooth comb. They don't want anything to do with me. So I guess it just depends on how you're affected by this illness and... What symptoms you have at the moment is how, I guess, you determine the right doctor. I don't really know. I've got a neurologist that will prescribe me stuff, but when I call and ask for a prescription to go to a voice therapist because I can't talk and to a physical therapist because I can't walk, he doesn't return my call. So then I go to my GP, and he gives me the prescription. I don't need that neurologist. But like I said, he did give me the bromide, and it was good. But I'm tired of doctors like that. My husband has one like that. He talks to you like he's going to do wonders for you when, when he's in front of your face. And then when you're no longer in the office, they don't respond. So it's like they give you false hope. I don't like people like that. I don't like doctors like that. I don't like living like that so I'm going to continue being flat on my back because my husband will be home soon and I want to be able to get up and walk around and I don't know just be able to get up and walk around my son isn't home that would be a nice time you think to be thinking ooh let's have relations but you know how badly your body hurts? Do you really want anything teetering up in there? <laughs> Do you really feel like 
having relations? Do you really feel sexy right now? No, I don't. But the things we do for love. Wasn't that a good, that was a song by 10CC, wasn't it? Things we do for love. Like walking in the rain and the snow and there's nowhere to go. And So anyway, there you go. There you have it. That's my message for today. And I don't know if it was a good message or not. I went here, there, and everywhere. Kind of nervous about this appointment. Want to get it over with. I'm afraid I'm going to get up early in the morning, put miles on the car for nothing. I don't like that. I don't like putting miles on my vehicle. I don't like wasting my time. So we'll see how it goes. I'll keep you posted. I hope you're having a great day. I'm hoping your pain is minimal. If you're at work, I hope your time to get off is soon. If you've got a secret and you'd like to share it, just message me. I appreciate all the messages I get, and thank you very much. I've been responding. I've got a few more to catch up with. But I really do appreciate hearing from you, and I thank you for listening. It means a lot to me. So I guess same time tomorrow. See you then. Christy Lynn Hanchi, AWOL Zebra. Have a lovely day.